Welcome to Small Talk, where each week we sit down to discuss the sermon-based small group questions at Wallula Christian Church. Hello and welcome to Small Talk, Wallula's weekly podcast. My name is Zach. I'm the student pastor here at Wallula Christian Church. I'm joined by Craig, our worship pastor, and Lance, our lead pastor. Uh, it's good to be back. Good to see you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm out for the summer, but I got a special request to come uh, for our year anniversary. And so it's been a year. Craig, you said today we're filming on... Filming? Uh, we are. Yeah, filming recording. Fil- yeah, filming recording. We're recording on <laughs> July 10th, and you said it was the 13th. I think so. The 13th marks the one-year anniversary. I'm not 100% positive about what that. What a ride. <laughs> what a ride it's been. <laughs> Remember back when Lance said we should do this and we're going to start with Revelation? And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> uh, but it's been – I have I know I've really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. the, the work – I thought this is going to be some work, and it really was, but – um, I've enjoyed the process of of kind of getting into that, especially I think starting with Revelation set the bar. I don't know if high is the right word, but like oh, this mm-hmm. you know everything else it, has seemed like cake. If that makes sense, easier. it got yeah. easier. Yeah. Not that not that it's lesser, but right. yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as we're going through Hebrews and right. through Christmas, and we're stuff. no longer trying to pick apart yes, apocalyptic that's right. literature. That's and right. What all the symbolism yes. is and. Hebrews is hard too. Though. It is a little bit yeah. right because I've noticed like it was Revelation. Then we had the we did some other stuff, but I remember mm-hmm. Christmas time. It was almost like yeah, man, that was I like the parables. Yeah, it's not. It was great. Yeah. And then with Hebrews, it's like oh, I got to do a little bit more, a little bit more commentary work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But for our year, I was like, man, you know, I, I got invited to come back for the summer, and what should I? You know, are we going to dress up? Are we going to wear something for this for our year? And so I thought maybe, maybe I, I should. I think we are. We're dressed. I up. mean, like so, Lance to, has a collar to make on. this special. Yeah. I was like, what do you wear for something that's like, you know, a year anniversary, right? And I thought I don't have any, you know, what's a, a something birthday ish? I didn't have any. And I thought there's only one thing I have that like is symbolic of a year. Something that happens every year. So why don't you guys give me one second? I have something planned. I'll be right back. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay. It's going to be good. Here we go. That's good stuff. <laughs> I know. So I thought the only thing I have that is representative of something that you could wear every year was my ugly Christmas sweaters. That And this was the one I happened to wear this past year that has, that has Lance on it. And uh, it's the only thing that, you know. It, You're going to start sweating up here. It, yeah. it represents, you know. <laughs> Something that you celebrate once a year, right? And uh, and so, yeah, yeah. Well, no offense, but I'm not going to look at you the rest of this episode. <laughs> so. We'll all look at you. Done. This is yeah. what we see. Yeah. This is what we see every right. time. Yeah. So, I didn't know if you guys were going to bring anything, but I thought you know to highlight the occasion. Right. I thought I'd, you know. Nah. Just, just, I just one second. Excuse me. <laughs> I just wore this striped shirt. That's right. <laughs> for your for the year anniversary. Well, anyway, we'll see how hot I get uh, throughout the. Yeah. This one has my name. It has on your name it. on it. This is yeah. a so this is a Lance a, shirt. That's a Lance shirt. That's right. On. Yeah. Where's your Lance shirt? Craig? I don't have a Lance I shirt. Know. Well, yeah. it took me a while. That's too bad. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, it took you twenty years of knowing Lance to get a Lance right. shirt. The, yeah. I'm about four and a half in. I so. had to start saving now. They're not they're not inexpensive. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, all right. Well, we are looking at Hebrews chapter nine, uh, the bloodiest chapter in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And uh, but before we do, we have some a non bloody question, a fun intro question, uh, and it goes like this: It says, "Do you have a favorite family vacation or trip uh, from when you were a child? Uh, what is different about taking a trip as a child versus an adult, and which one do you prefer, your childhood trips or your adult mm-hmm. trips?" Um, so yeah, Craig, what do you got? You're you got three kids going on right now, so yeah. Um, so the, yeah, the first part: favorite family vacation. Growing up, um, all well, most of our family vacations uh, were camping related, mm-hmm. and it it. I remember like we went to Branson one time when I was pretty little. Uh, we went to South Dakota once, went go camping. But then our routine was every summer we go camping in Colorado, mm-hmm. and we hit different spots. Um, around Colorado, different campgrounds. And then we kind of settled into going to this same one for like the last few years and just being creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. You know, you end up liking a spot and you go to it. And so um, it was in, it was at Turquoise Lake, which is right near Leadville, Colorado, if anyone's familiar with that. Uh, it's a tiny little town. And so there isn't really much to do in the town. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could go get ice cream or something, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like a touristy type place, like right. some mm-hmm. other places in Colorado that have more of those things. So really our, our routine or what we did was we hang out at the campground and like my brother and I, we would ride bikes everywhere. Um, we were kind of crazy on the bikes. And so we would end up like jumping them off stuff. And mm. like we, destroyed bikes sometimes on vacation mm-hmm. bent rims yeah and pop tires and mm-hmm. they were not rideable anymore yeah um and so like those are some of the memories i have and there's a couple things we did in colorado that were memorable like we went to go see the sand dunes i remember that uh we went fishing one time in a river and caught rainbow trout mm-hmm. and then ate it for dinner mm-hmm. yeah. which was really fun um but yeah it was a lot of just relaxing and not mm. doing a whole lot, mm-hmm. which was great. Cause yeah, like I said, we just ride bikes and hang out at the campground. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really grew to love that and look forward to it every summer. And, uh, and yet, and now going on vacation, like you said, you have three kids now, mm-hmm. like we just went on a trip and, uh, that's a story for another time. Cause we <laughs> <laughs> short, What's short the version worst experience you've ever had on a trip. <laughs> short version is went to Tulsa uh, about got there about six o'clock. A storm came through and wiped out all of Tulsa. Trees everywhere. Oh wow! No power, and so we can't do anything. Oh, a tree wow. fell on one of the Airbnbs. Yeah, and so we left. Well, I, that doesn't that can't count though. That can't count as like because that's not indicative of the trip itself. Like of, of going with three kids versus you. It just happens to be Tulsa at that. Right. You know what I mean? That yeah. wasn't. But I, but I was going to say, just going on these like trips like this, and well, the, then we went to Rogers, Arkansas the next day. So yeah, more work than expected. Right. But going on trips now with kids, you realize the work that had to go into going on vacation, mm-hmm. right? And especially going camping, I I would mm-hmm. like see my dad get the camper ready and we'd right. pack all this stuff, not fully understanding the work that it took. Mm. And now I'm like, okay, I appreciate that so much more. <laughs> Cause even just getting our three kids to Tulsa, right. like a four hour drive right. was quite the trip mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of work. So, uh, 
I, you know, I can look back and appreciate that more, the mm-hmm. family vacations as a kid. Um, and yeah, Haley and I, I we were talking about it at lunch because she said, what's the question at the beginning of the podcast? And uh, some of the trips that we took uh, in our earlier years of marriage before kids were just really fun because mm-hmm. we went to places that we hadn't been before mm-hmm. and you just get to explore new things and right. try new restaurants and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so sure. would you say like the adult trips are the most fun mm-hmm. then trips with as a kid or second fun <laughs> and then trip with your own kids is the least fun. Like that makes it sound terrible. Three stages. But <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're looking Don't at, go on the record, Craig, if, if you're looking at solely just the effort of the trip, yeah, you see. could, you could stack it like that. I'll say which one you prefer. It sounds like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you had no kids, but you're an adult, was the most fun. Yeah, you don't have to make as many plans that way. Yeah, you just go sometimes. I, well, I think it's funny because you said Colorado. Um, we growing up, so the pastor of, of this church, Don Raymond, had grown up forever going to Minnesota fishing, and he started inviting other families from here. So we started going, um, and it was you know Don and Les Raymond would go, and he invited. Our family, and then uh, Richard and Karen Good, they're famous. So our our families would go, and so probably I think I was sixth grade. Started going to Minnesota every year. We'd go fishing. Uh, I, I, after a few years in, my parents just bought a boat and a fishing boat, and so we just it was a thing we did every year. Um, and then after we graduated, they kept going, and they would go fishing, and we just had a cabin, didn't have any had power, but no TV, no anything, and we just. When we were younger, we fished, and then we started water skiing every time we would go. And then when we got to be like 16, 17, uh, they would rent a, a Sea-Doo for us because we could actually – we were old enough to, to mm-hmm. drive one. And uh, so it just got – it was always more and more fun. Uh, and I remember in the middle of all that, my grandmother lived in California, and we went to visit her. Um, so I was probably like eighth grade maybe. And we went to Disneyland in California. And then the next summer, they're like, would you guys rather go to Disneyland with, you know, in California or Minnesota? And we were like, oh, Minnesota. And I thought it was weird that I said that, but I was like, I really do like it more. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, we would catch a bunch of fish. We'd clean the fish and eat. That's what we had for dinner. Yeah. Uh, and then just, yeah, a lot of skiing and, and uh, I forget what they're called. Uh, on your when you're on your knees, the board where you get on your knees and wakeboard, yeah, boogie board type thing, boogie. wakeboard, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, uh, it was just really fun. So that was probably uh, the type of vacation that that we liked a lot growing up. That I liked, uh, yeah. Like you said, the difference between a, a kid and an adult is a lot more work. But <laughs> what's interesting, and and we're because we're at three different life stages here, mm-hmm. is you're doing it and you're like, hey, there's so much work involved because you have little kids, and I'm the tail end of that where it's actually like they can pack their own stuff. I'll have to check it to make sure like, mm-hmm. did you get, well, I'll just say, Hey, you need this many underwear, this many change of clothes mm-hmm. and they can kind of do it. And you're like on the other end where they can for sure do their own stuff. So yeah. I'm starting to, in- that's the hope. <laughs> well, you don't have to pack your stuff, right? No, okay. I don't check it. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, don't, I don't, I guess my to thing be is fair, like, I never did. That, so. <laughs> so, but it's, it's starting to be fun. Like, uh, mm-hmm. Where it's for sure work, but leading a trip um, now, like we went to Disney this past uh, Christmas, and they can ride most of the rides, you know? yeah. and it's not just like little kid ride type stuff. Right. Uh, so it's starting to come out of this where it's not just all work, 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 um, but it's we can kind of enjoy it together. So anyway, which one do I like more? I I think I kind of prefer at least right now. I I think I like going with kids. I like seeing their excitement mm-hmm. in the fun stuff, um, stuff that I wouldn't like. I you probably know this as a parent, but like I wouldn't normally do this stuff, you know, of whatever it was. But now that 
they're growing up, it's like, oh, well, let's go because you haven't. Let's mm-hmm. and watching them get excited about mm-hmm. um, about whatever. And so, like I was telling Lance, we're going to medieval times in a couple weeks with taking the kids. Yeah. And I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to medieval times on my own. It's too expensive. Right, and there's no right. reason. But I'm kind of excited to mm-hmm. let them be, you know, yeah. to do that. Sure. So Yeah, same thing. I think back to that campground we went to all the time. Yeah. And I think someday it'd be fun to go back and have yeah. take my kids and yeah. just do the things yeah. we used to do. So that's what I, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I think I prefer that. I'm I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. But what about you? Yeah, I, I could tell similar stories about vacations as a kid and, and, and whatnot. And uh the thing I thought about when I uh, was thinking about this question, answering this question. I thought about one one summer I was a l- young kid, not uh, probably know, ten years old or so, and eleven maybe something like that. And uh, our parents took us. Uh, we, I grew up in Topeka, so just down the road, really. But uh, one summer, my parents surprised us. They didn't tell us where we were going, and they took us to the Worlds of Fun here in Kansas City. Mm. And I just remember, um, we didn't really know where we were going. We knew we were going to Kansas City. And I just remember as a kid from, and, and I think there are a couple reasons for this. Just first of all, everything seems longer, bigger. Mm. Y- yeah. y- you know, mm-hmm. it, from a kid's perspective, you think back on your house growing up or whatever, and it just seemed like it was bigger than, mm-hmm. it, you know, you go back now or from a kid's perspective, it's just different. And and so I think time as you travel is different from a kid's perspective. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like it took so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're just on the road forever from Topeka from to Topeka, Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and part of it is I'm old. I'm old so mm-hmm. when I was a kid, the speed limit truly was 55 miles an hour oh, wow. on, on that stretch of highway. Mm-hmm. And so it did take longer, <laughs> but, uh, but not twice as long or anything or whatever. And, uh, but uh, th- that's what I think about, first of all, is that just from a kid's perspective, it seemed like it was took so long to get anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, just, just forever when you're on a road trip or what ha- have you. And, and uh, that changes as an adult. So I just think about the, the difference in time there. And, and, uh, and I, I don't know which I, I prefer. You know, it, it's, it's great you mentioned, oh, we're going to go camping. And, and uh, we did that quite a bit. My folks had campers while we were growing up. And uh, the thing I will say about that that comes to mind is I remember pulling into these campgrounds with uh, RVs, and our campers were not like that, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And just there was there was an obvious difference mm-hmm. between <laughs> the, the haves and the have-nots mm-hmm. in the campgrounds. Uh, didn't I, I don't think we enjoyed the experience less than right. those folks mm-hmm. necessarily, but just just difference there. And but you're right, you know, you just don't you don't think about all the things that it requires, the time to plan, the resources to save, all, all that stuff to mm-hmm. to go on a trip, and th- that's different as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just thought about those differences. I, I don't know. I, I suppose as a kid, that's what I prefer. Just show up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just show up. Yeah. Somebody feeds you. Somebody, you know, all that stuff plans it. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Well, good. Yeah. Well, I hope it gets better. Um, <laughs> for your, you and your kids. I must have made it sound terrible. Man. Tulsa. Just don't go there. <laughs> it was a bad break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tulsa didn't have power for about a week. Really? Or, I mean, wow. it took that long to get things wow. pretty much like 90% yeah. back yeah. to normal. So, okay. It was wild. Yeah. All right. It was just right there, too. Like yeah, the, because the, we, we traveled 
uh, northeast to go to Rogers, mm-hmm. and we ate lunch in Owasso. Right. It's not that far out. No. It was totally fine. Right. Everything was normal there. Right. Yeah. Were you planning on doing something in Tulsa? Or yeah. Was, or was it mainly in Arkansas where you guys are going? No, we didn't play in Arkansas at all. Oh, I thought it was just on the way. And you oh, were like, no. Oh, okay. We were just going to go to Tulsa for four days and come home. Oh, okay. <laughs> That'll be an exciting, great story. I mean, it'll grow over time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, you remember right that one now, time? It's like, what a pain in the neck right. that right. was. But in five years, yeah. it's going to be, oh, mm-hmm. that's. That's spectacular. You should, yeah. yeah, that should be one of yeah. your, is like, what's the worst travel story you can think of? <laughs> yeah. with your... yeah. All right. Uh, well, we are looking at, like I said, Hebrews chapter nine, old covenant is greater than, or new covenant is greater than old covenant. Uh, and the, the two questions we're looking at is four and seven. Uh, question number four says that in chapter nine, uh, it's the bloodiest chapter in Hebrews. Um, do you think that we have a different view of blood than Hebrews original audience would have had? Why? And in what way? And so I thought this was a really interesting question. Um, like we recognize that it's bloody, but like what is our perception or, you know, the the reader from 21st century, what would, what would our perception of blood be in general compared to the audience that was um, living it and, you know, uh, and all that. So mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll go first. I... Um, I really liked the question, and I thought, yeah, is is there a difference? And I thought, absolutely. <laughs> like, I don't understand how you cannot, how it couldn't be different. Um, and I just thought, like, from our perspective, everything about blood uh, is is almost in a negative way when we think about blood. Uh, some people pass out if they just see it. Uh, it signifies danger. If, if you're bleeding right now, there's something wrong. It signifies a mess, uh, something to be cleaned up. We have certain soaps that promote, like, it, it could get out blood. It could get out all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's uh, it's something that we don't have to deal with. Like, literally, we don't get our hands dirty with blood. Um, it's, it's something that, you know, doctors do or someone else can take care of. If you're bleeding, just stop it, and then we'll take you to hospital, and they'll deal with it. It's We're very sanitized. Uh, as a culture. And so when it comes to blood, it is not viewed in a positive way. But for most cultures all throughout history, and especially within the Jewish culture, uh, it was a way of life. Like you, you killed things to eat. Um, it's, you, you didn't feel like you're getting your hands dirty to do it. It's just, mm-hmm. this is providing something good to, in order to sacrifice. And especially um, with the Jews, uh, there was another step where blood also meant life. Um, that the blood of an animal, the the sacrifice of an animal, um, you know, like it, in here, I was talking about like with the Day of Atonement, the two sacrifices, they sacrifice a bull um, for the the high priest and his family. And then also for, they'd have two goats, one that they let go, but another one would be a sin offering for the people. And so these would be positive things. These, whoop, these uh, sacrifices, this blood, uh, it was used to, I think I found a quote here. It said, the, the blood of the atonement was the difference between life and death when entering the presence of God. And so these, this is not how we would view it. Um, but, um, I thought it was interesting, you know, when you're, when you grow up with that being your history of all throughout the old Testament and you have the writers of the, the readers of Hebrews knowing this, this is their, their history. And then you have Jesus who comes along, uh, and in the gospels, he says, you know, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. We just take that as, okay, that's something you're doing, but they see the obvious connection, mm-hmm. you know, the blood that's covering the sins. And they're like, oh yeah, it, it's the way of life that they already had. And Jesus is, is taking that to its logical conclusion. Um, and so although it may be odd for people in our day, um, 
for them, it's a totally logical way of, of seeing this idea of Jesus's blood um, being poured out uh, for our sins and to see what God did for us from the Old Testament and now into the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I got. What, mm-hmm. what about you, Craig? Yeah, I, I was thinking along the same lines as you uh, when we think of the original audience. They would have had all of the Old Testament stuff in mind, mm-hmm. and that's what we have to consider because I think we, I mean, we hear that. We take communion every week, and we talk about the blood of Jesus being sacrificed on the cross for us. And I think we can understand that and believe it. But then there's kind of this another layer that we get to in Hebrews, and we start talking about what the original audience would have understood when they first heard this stuff. And uh, and we've talked about, too, it goes along the same lines as what the author of Hebrews is talking about with high priests. It's this foreshadow or a type that points to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what those sacrifices were as well. And that's what they would have understood that now knowing what Jesus did on the cross, it's like, okay, that previous stuff, that was some foreshadowing. It was a type mm-hmm. of what is to come. And so I was thinking about that uh, along the lines of similar things, like what, what did blood mean to them? What was the significance of it? And you get a couple of things just from this chapter, uh, chapter 9 in Hebrews. Uh, The first uh, comes from uh, verse 7. You get blood uh, allows access to God's presence. Uh, Verse 7 says, uh, But into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood. So the high priest going into Holy of Holies, we talked about that on Sunday, Blood was part of that ritual Mm -hmm. that got him into the presence of God. Uh, Another thing, and uh, oh, in verse 12 was part of that too. Um, It says, uh, again, he entered uh, once for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but uh, by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption, talking about Jesus and his blood, giving us access to God's presence. Uh, The second thing, uh, blood meant outward uh, purification, sanctification for God's people. So verse 13, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the pur- purification of flesh, flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, uh, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God? And so because of his sacrifice, uh, we receive purification and sanctification uh, and then you get covenant uh, language in 18 and 20. Um, it's it's all these like rituals that we don't totally understand. <laughs> you know, we have to look back and study these things. But right. the the covenant was brought forth and inaugurated with sprinkling of blood. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the the sanctuary or the the temple, and everything's covered in blood mm-hmm. to bring it in and so it can do what it's supposed to do. Uh, and so that's the sort of things that they have in mind. And you get to the, the end of verse 22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And mm-hmm. that kind of like sums up the whole thing mm-hmm. because we're talking about uh, the earthly relationship of, of God in the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies and how people interacted with him and how because of Jesus's blood, it's this whole new access, forgiveness, covenant relationship. Uh, we look forward to when we are fully in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And I think 
The, the biggest thing that this tells us when talking about the blood of Jesus is there's no loopholes to any of this. Mm-hmm. There, this earthly relationship happened in the Old Testament, and they dealt with it in the temple, and now we scoot over to the New Testament, the New Covenant, and we can't earn any of this on our own. We can't work towards mm-hmm. perfecting a relationship mm-hmm. with God. Mm-hmm. We can't earn any of this forgiveness. It's all through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think we try to do that sometimes. We <laughs> try to fix things, and mm-hmm. that will kind of come up in my answer to the second question. But, right. um, yeah, there's no way around it. When Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life, this is what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. His blood secures all of those things, and it just makes them even better than what they were right. in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I, just, I was uh, you know, trying to think about, okay, because I think you're right, Zach, you said, well, of course there's a difference in how you know, the people in the first century or in biblical times, mm-hmm. you know, in the Old Testament, how they thought about blood and how we think about blood. And I, and I think you're right, but it's hard to put your finger exactly on how that is, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, I was thinking, okay, well, you, if somebody gets sick or they have an operation or they're in an accident and they lose blood, they go to the hospital, you know, you talked about this, and we expect there to be, we know, okay, well, you'll have a blood transfusion, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to replace it. You mm-hmm. know, we, we understand that Leviticus is right when it talks about the fact that the life is in the blood, mm-hmm. you know, that that's, uh, you know, we need that or whatever. It's a limited resource, all those things. And uh, and we just expect somebody else to kind of handle that for us or there to be that resource available uh, for us. Now, you, you know, occasionally we'll have a blood drive, you know, on campus here, mm-hmm. and uh, which ought to remind us that that's not entirely true. Mm-hmm. You, you know, there's no... Uh, you know, there's a blood bank, but it's, <laughs> you know, it, it requires somebody's effort. I was mm-hmm. going to use the word sacrifice. That's not quite right mm-hmm. in this context, but effort mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to have that blood available. And so we don't, we don't think about it in the same way, I guess, in that um, we just believe that that's going to be available for us. And I think uh, maybe that's the difference. We realize that, okay, this, you know, life is in the blood. That's true. Uh, but we'll always have a chance to remedy the, mm-hmm. the problem and uh and that those remedies just weren't readily available mm-hmm. you know in the first century mm-hmm. that you you got sick and you started bleeding or you were injured and you started bleeding that was a real problem mm-hmm. you know and and um and so we just we just view that kind of i, I guess the life and death situation part of it differently i mm-hmm. suppose and um and and from a spiritual perspective we we shouldn't we shouldn't have that difference in, mm-hmm. in attitude. Maybe not from a physical perspective either. I don't know, but uh, spiritually we we for sure shouldn't have that uh, that different perspective because when like the Hebrews chapter nine when it talks about the blood and that spilt sacrifice of Jesus' blood, uh, how critical that is. You know, I read an article. It reminded me of of all these different ways that Scripture talks about the blood. Um, uh, fixing our spiritual problem, you know, that it was a propitiation for our sins, that it removed God's wrath. Mm-hmm. Romans 3, verse 25 talks about that, or that it provides us with 
it justifies us. So mm. Jesus spilled his blood to to make us right with God, to make us put us in a right uh relationship with him. Romans five nine talks about that. Or the fact that Jesus' blood was spilled to redeem us, to buy us back, right? Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, that of course the the blood is, is spilled for the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse thirteen, and to uh make peace between us and God. Colossians chapter one, verses nineteen through twenty. And so there's just all these um there there's such rich deep spiritual meaning in uh you know this conversation of blood it's not just looking at that old testament sacrifice uh, chapter 9 isn't just pointing to that it's it's teaching us like we said on sunday that those aren't enough that we mm-hmm. really need the blood of jesus that, mm-hmm. like that old hymn says that there's power in the mm-hmm. blood um, so that that's what i thought about when yeah. i thought about blood yeah. No, it was good. I it was interesting. I was just thinking about like I don't know, sometimes you'll ask a question or it'll just get me thinking about almost like the theology of blood. Right. Right. Or the theology of clothing. Right. Yeah. As, you know, when in Revelation how Jesus is what what he's wearing or the mm-hmm. color stuff. And so it was just it was interesting to see like what well, how does this differ from one culture to another? And and there's a lot there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um as we move on to the the next question we're looking at, our last one is uh question number seven. And it said uh, in Hebrews uh, 9, 16 through 22, it says, God requires the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins, which we, Lance, that's one of the things you right. had just mentioned. Yes. And it says, do you have a hard time feeling like you're forgiven? And how can you live like a forgiven person? So this is taking one of those ideas about what uh, the shedding of Jesus' blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and just more of a personal question. Um, if, if we're talking about forgiveness of sins, um, that's a... It's a it's a term that we I don't want to say throw out like it's nothing, but like mm-hmm. we say that a lot, yeah. you know, and uh, and so really just taking um, stock into like what that means for us and maybe for us personally um, is it is it hard to just accept that freely and just be like yep I'm forgiven and then living that way or is, is there is there a difficult time in doing that and then what does it look like to actually like like the question is how can you live like a forgiven person which I hadn't thought about like how do you live like it right. uh, but yeah so who what do you guys want to go first yeah okay uh, and I kind of mentioned it earlier a little bit but I think the the biggest thing that this chapter is saying that we have to remember and really rest in is that for our forgiveness is totally dependent on what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Cause I was saying, I hinted at it a little bit, but a lot of the times if I do something stupid, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I, I have, I feel like I have to make up for it somehow, mm-hmm. whether that's correcting something or, you know, apologizing just working towards making something right again. Mm-hmm. And like, I can, I can do that to a certain extent, maybe in a situation or something, but in the end, like all of those things that I do don't make, don't change the forgiveness that I've been given because of my sin. And, and, you know, because of my past before I knew Christ, like I can't go back and just try to right all of the wrongs because when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, that's when you receive the forgiveness because mm-hmm. of what he did on the cross. And I think it can be hard because a lot of the times, 
maybe it's just, it's not right there in front of us. It's not like a tangible thing that we saw happen and interacted with. Um, and I think maybe that can make it hard for people. I think that makes it hard for me sometimes. And so the things that I have to do is like read Hebrews nine, <laughs> you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Anytime that I, I spend time in scripture studying and, and just reading and meditating on it, things like Hebrews chapter nine, that is just the reminder that I need to know the forgiveness that I've been given through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And like we've been talking about the Old Testament versus New Testament and the the blood that was shed on the cross, like what does that actually mean for my life? And if I believe that, I need to apply that and and live in response to that. And so um, that can look different for people. Uh, it can come out in different ways. Um, and I think one of the biggest things for me is when I realize that uh, and I look at my life and I'm forgiven for the things that I've done and continually forgiven for the things that, that I do, uh, I can do that for other people. Because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. when we when we reflect that onto other people, that's when they experience that same forgiveness and right grace and love from God. Um, you know, that's one of the biggest things that I have to continually remind myself with having kids. Uh, and it's like a constant prayer of mine is like, let God's love be reflected in me. Mm. Cause right now that's the place that they're going to see it a lot. Mm. Sure. And, and I think that's one thing that we can do to live in response to that forgiveness is be able to show that to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good question. The, the The word that stood out to me, it says, do you have a hard time feeling like you're forgiven? And the word that stood out to me was feeling. Um, I used to say, uh, you know, do you have a hard time feeling you're forgiven? I used to say, no, like I totally understand it. Mm-hmm. And it was very much a head thing. Uh, but um, now really looking back, I would probably say, yeah, a little bit, like because of the feeling part. And it's like you said, um, of needing to prove myself. Like if I sin or do something wrong, mm-hmm. um, there's this... Uh, something in me that's like, I need to earn this back again. And so even though I know, yes, I am forgiven, uh, I'm not living that way or truly believing it mm-hmm. because the the whole feeling thing is like, are you forgiven? Yeah. Like, like scripture is very clear. A hundred percent, you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And so for us to not feel forgiven, right. Is just a lie of Satan. Like it, mm-hmm. we, we are like, there's no, there's no yeah. doubt about it. So for us to struggle with that or to feel like, oh, I need to earn God's favor again or right. whatever is, um, is just us buying into this lie that we're not good enough. Um, I was reading this book this over, over the course of the summer. It's called The Search for Significance. And uh, one of the things it talked about is it goes back to the garden. It says, you know, when man lost his uh, secure status with God, like in the garden with Adam and Eve, um, when he stopped trusting in God for his own self-worth and leaning into his own understanding and what he wanted to do and following Satan, um, he began to struggle with feelings of arrogance and inadequacy and despair. And the main thing that it brought up was when we don't let God and the contentment of our forgiveness in him or him forgiving us, we start looking to other people. So we either look for uh, our own performance or our opinion of others or others' opinions of us. Like, how do I feel secure? I don't feel it from God. So I'm going to either outwork it or mm-hmm. look to other people to help us. And so uh, 
But the point of our life is that Christ is the, the source of our security, that our feelings, um, even if we don't feel that we have it, you know, and so leaning into that. So what does it look like? This is the hard thing that I thought, like, uh, how do you live a life like a forgiving person? Um, just to understand that, you know, the whole blood of Christ, uh, what he did for us is enough. Uh, and so anytime I start to lean on the opinion of others, uh, I need to push against that. Anytime I look to my own success uh, as like validation for how good I'm doing, I need to push against that uh, because these are just lies from Satan. I'm not good unless I do good things or other people say that I'm good. Um, and that's not what success is. It's that God thinks that I'm worthy already. Like Adam and Eve did not start working in the garden and naming animals and then God said, okay, you're good enough. They were good right mm-hmm. when he created them. And so uh, leaning into that. So anyway, I, I like what you said, though, like being able to forgive others is a good indicator too. Uh, but for me, I was like, anytime I start depending on other people's opinions or my own success for worth, I realize I'm getting further away from what God yeah. wanted for me. And I start falling into like, I need to prove myself to God again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a hard one. And you know, what does it look like per person? I don't know. It depends on your own life. Who are you trying to impress? What, what right. uh, abilities do you have that you're trying to promote to think like this, this is why I'm good enough. Um, and so that's different for everyone, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's, a forgiven person is just content in in who they are with God and and they're standing with him. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes one of the reasons it's hard for us to feel forgiven is because um you know, even though uh we are forgiven and someday we'll be in the presence of Jesus and what in in heaven and in that um, you know, or when he returns, right, and everything's restored, then there won't be any more tears, there won't be any more hurt, there won't be any more pain. Mm-hmm. Everything will be as, you know, like in the garden and as God intended it. But right now, we live in a world that's filled up with the consequences of sin, mm-hmm. that even though we are forgiven, there's still consequence for sin. And I think, you know, well, why do we still have to deal with the consequence of sin? I you know, maybe it's to to remind us or to demonstrate to us how exceedingly evil sin is, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's to show that uh, God doesn't take sin lightly. Um, perhaps it's to humble, and, and, you know, Scripture talks about how it's a part of our sanctification process, right? That that discipline is a part of our, our growth. And, and so, you know, maybe that's a part of it too. But I, I think that's... A, one of the reasons that we struggle to feel like we're forgiven is because we still have to deal with the consequence mm-hmm. to, to sin. And, and um, y- you know, it's just uh, – but it's so beautiful to think about uh, the fact that, you know, Jesus died while we were still sinners, mm-hmm. right? That Romans talks about that, you know, we uh, he loves us that much, and so he's made a way to forgive us. Mm-hmm. And, and we ought to live – uh, like we're forgiven. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, if we're living like we're truly forgiven, then that changes the way we, we pray. Mm-hmm. Um, it changes that, those conversations we have with God. And we've already talked in Romans, you know, or in Hebrews, it's talked about, man, you ought to go boldly into mm-hmm. the throne room of God. Mm-hmm. You know, that changes our relationship there. It changes uh, uh, our hunger for God's word. You know, we, we have to keep feasting on on God's word. And, and I think you both have talked a little bit about this, but, um, you know, if we're living as 
forgiven followers of Jesus, then that ought to increase our willingness and our desire to forgive others. Mm-hmm. And we ought to live that out uh, in, in our, our kind of horizontal relationships there. And, uh, and I think that's for all kinds of reasons. You guys have talked about a, a great deal. I read an article that I thought was really interesting about this, and it talked about forgiveness as uh, uh, a part of spiritual warfare. Hmm. That forgiveness is an act of spiritual warfare, and, mm-hmm. and I think Zach, you, you touched on this a little bit. That you know, Satan loves uh, you know unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he loves it when we refuse to forgive someone mm-hmm. else, when we harbor resentment, when mm-hmm. we carry a grudge. Um, you know, he's he's kind of winning that battle mm-hmm. at, at that point, and and so. Um, you know, I, I guess I've just, I just had not really thought of it in those terms before. That when I when I choose to forgive someone, you know, to uh, to act like Jesus, you know, I've always thought of it like that. Okay, mm-hmm. well, you're you're reflecting Jesus. You talked about Craig, and yeah, absolutely, well, we ought to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's our goal, right? To be ambassadors for Christ. Mm-hmm. We want to look more and more like Jesus. And I've thought about it in those terms, but I've never really thought about it. Yeah. And and I don't know what this says about me and that it kind of fired me up more <laughs> you know that that probably shouldn't be but i thought oh you're you're striking a blow against the enemy mm-hmm. yeah you know this is a this is an act of spiritual warfare that you're you're kind of storming into battle in that way that um you know it's not just i, I guess you know we at least i have tended to think you, you turn the other cheek mm-hmm. right it's it's kind of defensive or selfless mm. yeah. yeah yeah right but it's you're uh you're you're doing you're going into battle against the enemy when you choose to forgive someone and yeah. uh, you know he hates it well and i also think you know kind of reverse engineering this like when we uh are for, feel forgiven by god then we can forgive others but going backwards in that if we refuse to forgive others, it warps our view of how God forgives us. Like we think, oh, well, I have to earn this. Like our, we can't accept it as much. Or we think, Mm -hmm. you know, if we really wanted to be forgiven or feel that way, then we would have to like, whatever people do, like really ask for forgiveness or really mean it this time or whatever. And and put a barrier between themselves and God because they have been refusing it to other people. So therefore they can't truly accept it from God. Right. And uh, and so they make it harder for themselves as well um, because they don't truly receive it, so it's harder for them to give it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, Scripture flat out says, right? If mm-hmm. you don't forgive others, yeah, yeah, then absolutely. God can't yeah, yeah. You, you know, he, yeah. He's you know there there's there's a divide, there right? That and I, I guess I'm just talking yeah. about the feelings aspect. Right, like it's, sure. if it's really really yeah. hard for you to forgive, I right. would question: Are you do you yeah. truly feel forgiven? Right. True. You know, because yeah. if you have that, then it it be, makes it easier. There you know, you're, it's not yeah. on your own. Right. You're not doing mm-hmm. it from your own strength. Right. Um, yeah. But anyway, man, great question. Really, really good. Um, well, guys, we did it. We did one it. year, one year down. <laughs> uh, any, any, uh, I don't know, any things for the next year to highlight? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, like, you know, we go to. I will keep uh, uploading sweater it. Sweater with Craig's on, face. We, we go to. <laughs> We go to CIY and stuff, and as soon as it's over, they're always like, "Here's a preview for the next year," yeah. and they already have the theme up, and <laughs> right. and so uh, right. yeah. 
So, no, we're just going to keep plugging away. Keep plugging away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I'm going to keep uploading them on Wednesdays. Okay, yeah. That's my plan. <laughs> Even though it's not Wednesday right now, it will be. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Well, I had a great time with you guys. It's good seeing you again. Yep. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Okay.